All right. All right. Well, you can go ahead and sit down if you'd like. <laughs> People behind you probably appreciate that, actually. <laughs> what a great time we've had. Thank you, Celebration Arts Band. We sure appreciate the worship team up here every week. They work, hard to, they work hard to make it look so easy, you know? We aren't aware of the, all the stuff going on up there. It just sounds great, and we get a chance to, to worship God. We're so appreciative. Well, today is our last week in our Like Jesus series here at Twin Cities. And during this series, just to review, we've been looking closely at how Jesus lived his life so that we can imitate him in our own lives. Uh, but today I thought about it. It may seem a little strange because... We're going to be talking about how to share Jesus with other people. And it's one thing to look at the life of Jesus to see how he prayed or maybe how he handled temptation so we can follow those. But can Jesus really show us how to share himself? It's coming from him. You know what I mean? It's different. But it actually works better than you might think. So we want to give it a try this morning and look at Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well the Samaritan woman at the well that's found in John chapter 4 in the Bible, to see that Jesus really can, he really can help us learn to share Jesus with others. So if you want to follow along in your outline, you're always encouraged to do that. Again, if you have your Bible, just open it to John 4. We are going to camp right there at the beginning of chapter 4 and uh, fill in the blanks if you'd like and take some notes. So we're going to take a look at this idea here. It starts in your outline. Jesus shared about Jesus. (laughs) Okay, he shared about Jesus. And what can we learn from him? Well, five specific steps we're going to take a look at today to help us share Jesus effectively. These are five very practical, one thing after the next, we'll see in the life of Jesus that we can then imitate. Now, there's other verses in the Bible, other tips about sharing your faith. Those are all great. Today, we're just going to camp right here and see what did Jesus do? What can we learn from him? So first of all, as we look to share Jesus, what can we learn? Number one, we need to go where those others are. The others. When I say others, we're talking about people that don't yet know Jesus, okay? And so we need to go where those others are. And this is the first thing to learn from Jesus, and it's really a key point. If you want to reach others for Jesus, we need to go where those others are. So let's see what Jesus did as we pick up the story in John 4. We're going to begin at verse 3. And again, it's on the screens or in your outlines or in your Bible if you have it. Now he, speaking about Jesus, had to go through Samaria. He'd finished ministry. He's moving along, and up ahead of him lies Samaria. Okay? He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph so many years ago. We find about that in the Old Testament. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Now, we see right here, we're going to stop. By the way, today we're just going to take these little snapshots of this story. We're going to look at it a bit and then stop and go, what happened there and what can we learn? So we have a little snapshot right here that's not just a, a story of what happened, the narrative. You see, we look at it, we realize that Jesus didn't just sit in the synagogue all day and wait for people to come to him to ask for spiritual guidance or ask spiritual questions. Occasionally, the Bible tells us that he'd go to a spiritual place, to a synagogue, even to the temple in Jerusalem. But those times, those times were rather rare. Most of the time, he was going out and meeting people where they were at. And we see that again right here. He went to where the needy people were, where they lived their lives. And so this is what's going on. In this passage, we see Jesus going to the town of 
Sychar, it's a town really full of outcasts. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds and really weren't even talked to by Jewish people. If you could go around Samaria, you would go around if you were Jew. If you had to go through it, you'd go through quickly. You'd maybe try to skip the towns. If you had to go through town, you wouldn't stop, and you certainly wouldn't talk to anybody because they're half-breeds, they're beneath you. Okay, that's culturally what's set up here as we go through. And Jesus, instead of doing that, however, he goes into the town, he enters, he stops, and he goes right to the center of town, to where the well was. You see, in a dry region, wherever there's water, there you'll find action. And Jesus was looking for action, okay? So that's really our first point to learn from Jesus. Go to where the others, the the people that don't know Jesus are, and seek to engage them there on their home turf. Now, I know that may sound really simple, real basic, but it's something we we really... (laughs) We foul up a lot as Christians, I think, as followers of Jesus, because we often surround ourselves with Christian friends, which is, which is really great. I mean, that's a nice thing, fellowship and all that, but several years after becoming followers of Jesus, so often we find that we no longer have really any significant friendships with people that don't know Jesus, no real relationships at all. And with no non-Christians in our world, we have zero impact on the lost. So nothing against having Christian friends, but when that's all that that you have, that's a difficult thing. Now, not only that, but most of us also are ready to engage with people about spiritual things when we're on our own turf. I mean, maybe even here at church. I started thinking, you know, if after today's service you head out to the lobby and someone comes up to you and says, share with me about your faith about Jesus. What has he taught you? And you think, well, here I am at church. This is a safe place, you know. They're here because they're thinking spiritually. They're at least open to God. And, you know, if I share and get to trouble, I can find someone else in the lobby to come over and help me, you know, if it gets kind of difficult in sharing. You, you'd be ready to go. And, and most of us would feel okay about sharing here at church in a safe place, wouldn't you? But are you ready to take things out of here out of your home and environment and into a dark world so that you can meet and interact with the people who are lost in that darkness. Now, honestly, I'm not pr- proposing that you immerse yourself in the world to the point that it, that it drags you down and infects you in a negative way. Jesus says to be in the world, not of the world. And Pastor Ron spoke to us a few weeks ago about that Jesus talking, saying, God, Father, protect them, but he doesn't want us to be removed from the world. We need to find a balance there, but we do need to be in the world be in the world, but not of the world. So to make this happen then, to go where others are that need Jesus, you need to understand that you may have to fight fear or be uncomfortable. Now, I just want to be honest with you about this one, because as we start talking about it, I have to say this, because you're going to go out and try it, and you're going to come back and go, John, it was scary, and you didn't tell me, you know, or I was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Okay, I'm telling you up front, it can be a little scary, and it might make you a little uncomfortable, okay? And that's okay. That's okay. You've been warned in a sense, and and then we can move past that. See, fear controls so many of us when it comes to the idea of reaching out to other people about Jesus. It can really be paralyzing and almost kind of handcuff us where we can't do anything. And, And we also sometimes hide behind the concept that, well, certainly Jesus wouldn't want me to feel uncomfortable, you know, so we don't try to penetrate the world of the lost. Well, I have a question Where in the Bible does it say that Jesus came so that we could have life and have it more comfortably? Does it say that? Anywhere? It doesn't, does it? (laughs) An abundant life, the promise that you'd have life to the fuller life abundantly, um, isn't always a comfortable life. Sometimes I think certainly in our Western culture, we think happiness and comfort is really why we have Jesus. And it's 
one of the byproducts often of following Jesus, but it's not the point. It's not the point, you know? See, when I look at Jesus' life, I don't always see him living in or even pursuing comfort. Did he? His life had a purpose that, that went beyond. It transcended mere comforts. And honestly, our lives really have that same purpose. He's given us that purpose that says, reach beyond your fears and your desires for comfort and go be with those that need Jesus. Now, We've asked two of our young people from Twin Cities to come up and share their stories of sharing Jesus today, sharing Jesus out of their comfort zone. Now, they both went to Uganda with us last month. They were part of the team that I they led here to Uganda in January. And, and so although their stories contain a cross-cultural flavor, the concepts definitely translate to all of us. Now, I do want to share that Ryan and I were the only two that got the dress code memo this morning. I'm looking around and the rest of you, but honestly, you know, we're the best dressed guys here. And and, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to wear this this morning, and Ryan was the only other one who was that in tune with the Holy Spirit this morning <laughs> that he, so we're, we can be praying for that. This is Ryan and Andrew, and they're going to share their stories. Ryan. Good morning. This January, I had the privilege of going with our church to Uganda. Now, this trip, I had so many plans for. I, I had these thoughts, these feelings that I was going to be going, and I was going to be sharing Christ with everyone. Uh, just thousands were going to come to Christ, and uh, it was just going to be an awesome experience. And God had a little bit different of a plan, and he had a more practical plan. He said, Ryan, I want you to go, and I want you to just be led by me rather than lead me. And it was really interesting because a week into the trip, I started to feel lazy, and this wasn't brought on by my own doing. Ali Malik, a member of our team, was going around to the kids telling them that I was lazy. I had some orphans come up to me and say, hey, Ryan, I heard that you're lazy. I said, no way. That is not me. And so I went around and I was like, why am I lazy? And they said, well, because you're not going running with us at 530 in the morning. You're lazy. And I said, well, you see, I'm an effective missionary. I get my sleep, and therefore, I'm able to tell people about Jesus. And they say, well, we're active. We're going to go out and run. And so, I mean, I threw in the towel, and I said, well, if in that case, I'm going to go running with you tomorrow morning. So I get on my shoes. I stretch it out. I take my little Gatorade pill, get my little buzz on. I'm like, let's go get this, you know? And then I get out there. They already left. <laughs> they left without me. And so I'm sitting there, and I, I was not late, John. Uh, and I was, I was prepared. I was on time. And, uh, and so I get my Bible, and I'm just like, God, I pray that you would take this time and that you would show me something about you. Now, as I'm reading my Bible, I look up, and I just see this gorgeous sunrise, just beautiful I said, well, I have my shoes on. I might as well run up this mountain that's right next door, and I'm just going to run to the top. So I run to the top, and I sit down at the very top, and it's right by the trail, and I'm just looking at this beautiful, beautiful sunrise that God has created for my enjoyment at that time. And so I'm just enjoying God's presence. I hear feet behind me walking up and down the trail, and I just kind of tune them out. I'm like, it's just me and you, God, me and you. Now I hear a, uh, a pair of feet come up behind me and just stop. And so I turn around and I say, hey, what's up? And this young 16-year-old boy walked up to me and said, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just looking at the sunrise. He's like, okay, cool. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going up to town. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I just was my friendly missionary self. 
I can go and look at the sunrise now. So I go in and I turn back to the sunrise and he says, what are you in Uganda for? I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I, just want to, I just want to spend time with God. I don't want to talk to you right now. And, and so, so I turn back to him. I stand up and I'm like, well, and I, in my mind I'm thinking, why am I here? You know, we were preparing for months for this trip. What was the main reason for me being there? And I looked at him and I said, I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ and how he can be your Lord and Savior. And I look at him and I'm like, do you know Jesus? And he looks at me and he says, yeah, I do. Mission complete. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> and I start asking him questions. I say, what does your Jesus look like? What does he do for you? Are, are you partners with him in this? And I start to find out that his relationship with Jesus isn't a relationship, it's just a figure. And he says, I know Jesus. Yeah, you know of him, you don't know him. And so I started to tell him about my life story, just how Jesus has been working in my life and how I could relate it to his as a young man who's developing. I mean, I'm sure I can relate with him in many points. And so I started just telling him about myself. And as I'm talking to him, I start to see this glazed look come over his face. And I'm like, all right, I've said too much. I need to just back off. And so I just kind of just say, you know what? Jesus loves you. I'm really grateful I got to talk to you about this. And if you have any more questions, let me know. Try to find me. I'm the only white guy here. Uh, and if not, then I'll be praying for you. And so he walks up the dirt path, and I sit back down, and I look at this sunrise that has now just transformed into even more of a magnificent glow. I say, God... I wanted to just be with you. And that's the right thing to do, right? Is to be with God alone. Yet God told me, Ryan, I need you to step out of your comfort zone. I need you to step out of this selfish bubble that you've created to say, I'm with God and I need you to, and I need you to speak to a son that's lost. And because I stepped out of my plan and into his plan, I was able to plant a seed in this young man's life that hopefully when I get to eternity, this young man will be there and I'll be able to high five him and be like, how was that hill? That's pretty steep. Anyway, uh, so it was just such a blessing, and I'm just so grateful that I got to go, and I got to share that with you. I hope that encourages you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Andrea, and you might think that a person who gets up in front of a rather large group of people to talk rarely, if ever, struggles with fear when talking to people, but let me assure you that nothing is farther from the truth. I can be a terrible conversationalist, especially if I'm in a particularly introverted mood. But that's not the worst. When it comes to sharing my faith with others, my mouth slams shut, my stomach turns to rubber, and I feel like my hands are going to shake right off my body. It doesn't matter if I'm trying to talk to a friend over a cup of coffee about Jesus, or if it's my sister as we're going for a car ride. Sharing my faith with someone who doesn't believe in God completely throws me out of my comfort zone. God never asked us to stay where we're comfortable, though. Have you noticed that? He likes to test our faith and trust in Him, and I'm sure I've never experienced that quite as much as the time that we went hut to hut evangelizing in Uganda. We had gone down to the village of Awakula, only a few miles from where we were staying at Pastor Robert's. This was a village scattered among the banana trees with mud huts rising out of the red Ugandan dirt. This was also a village with a lot of witchcraft and Islamic beliefs. 
When we arrived, we were paired off with an interpreter, a native Ugandan, and I was also with another woman on our Uganda team, and thank goodness for that. As we started down the rutted road, I felt the familiar rubbery, shaky, can't-quite-breathe feeling settling in, and I wasn't sure that I was actually going to be able to talk. Upon arriving at our first home, I realized that I was out of my zone of comfort like never before. We were welcomed into the yard of a man who had three wives and 14 kids. As we sat down on the stools that were offered, all I could do was smile a half-nervous, half-silly smile. I listened as the other woman on our team and the interpreter shared the gospel so boldly. I wanted to jump in and say something, but fear had overtaken my vocal cords and nothing came out. I was mortified. As we left the home and began traveling to the next, I was silently kicking myself. I had traveled to the other side of the world to share the love of Jesus, and now I couldn't even open my mouth for him. What was wrong with me? Well, we soon arrived at our next home, and there was a young woman there with three children, and her husband was away. Here we found a much different situation than the lively family we had just left. This woman sat on the ground, knees tucked beneath her, and she was so shy that even answering a simple yes or no question asked by the interpreter was difficult. My heart went out to her. I was able to completely empathize with her pain. We sat there for nearly 15 minutes, both of us listening to the interpreter, neither of us being able to say anything. All of a sudden, it was like I got it. With wisdom that comes only from God, I realized that here we were, two insecure women, both too shy to speak. We both lacked confidence in ourselves. But I had one area of confidence that she did not yet have, and that confidence is found in Jesus Christ. I could no longer keep it to myself. I had to share my faith with her. I dropped to my knees at eye level with her. I told her my story and what I have learned about God to be true. I told her how Jesus loved her so very much that he willingly died on the cross to take the punishment for her sin so that she could have eternal life. Eventually, I had the opportunity to pray with her as she wanted to receive Jesus as her Savior. Yeah, that's a praise God moment right there. Um, I look back on that situation, and I know it wasn't me. God gave me perspective on that situation that wasn't my own. The Holy Spirit gave me boldness when I had none. And Jesus reminded me of how much I need and rely on him every single day. I know without a doubt that the words that came from my mouth that day were not my own. When I trusted God with an uncomfortable situation, he gave me the words that needed to be said. And I am so very thankful to him for that blessing. Thank you. Thanks. Well, a little plug again for our one o'clock. Thank you, Ryan and Andrea. Uh, today, after, right after third service, if you want to hang out and then go over, you'll hear um, more stories from the three of us plus nine others, and God really did some amazing things. Um, appreciate their share and being willing to do that. Well, you know, after hearing from Ryan and Andrea, I, wa- I want to encourage each one of us to, to do something. It's the next step on your outline, and that is to look for opportunities to share and be ready. Look for opportunities to be shared. You know, honestly, 
this was not Ryan's story. He wasn't looking for an opportunity to share, uh, but he was ready. And uh, I believe here that Jesus' story does give us an example of someone who was looking for that opportunity, a chance to share. He went to the center of town, right? Because he was looking for that and he was ready. And uh, Jesus, um, well, God sometimes puts you in a position to share Jesus, even if it stretches you, okay? So, so look for opportunities and be ready. And that's an encouragement. Well, our second step, our first one was we went to where others are, right? And our second step then that we'll see here in this story is to show your faith by your actions. Show your faith by your actions. You see, once Jesus went to where the lost were, he began his ministry by showing love before he actually shared, verbally shared his message of love. Okay, let's take our next little snapshot, moving on from verse 7 here in John chapter 4. So he's there, he's tired, he sits down by the well center of town, he's ready to go. And it says then, well, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now his disciples had gone into the town to buy food, so he's by himself there with this woman. Well, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And then we're going to stop right there. Here's our next little point. You see, we have this little encounter that's not just narrative. It's not just giving us a little bit in the next step of the story, but there's actually a point that pops up here, and that's this. Jesus showed his faith by loving this woman, and it totally surprised her. You may say, loving her, where did that appear? Well, it's right there in the text. Jews didn't associate with Samaritans at all. It was beneath them. It was the wrong thing to do socially, customarily, culturally. You didn't do that, okay? So this surprised the woman that he would even talk to her that that he would not just get up and leave or you know he didn't throw something at her or swear at her who knows what but not only that but the fact that she's a woman and he's a man was a big deal you see Jewish men wouldn't be talking with a woman one-on-one in this context at all so it's kind of a doubly loaded strike two situation but Jesus then showed that he cared more about the woman than he cared about what was politically correct or what was culturally accepted, and it impressed the woman enough so that she listened to his message. Okay, catch this. Especially in this day and age here in America, you have to, usually you have to earn the right to be heard. It takes some time, and it takes some relationship, and it takes some action that's authentic to earn the right to be heard. Now, you've probably heard that phrase, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you haven't heard that one, it's kind of a good one to learn. And if you have, oh yeah, you see it here. I don't care how much you know. First show me how much you care, and then we can move to the knowledge part of things, right? It's so true. Now, for you then, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Encouragement to be like Jesus is just this. Help people. Serve them. Befriend them. Maybe, maybe spend a little money on them. It's not about the money, but that involves sacrifice in our culture off, you know, often. But definitely invest some time in them. Your actions will speak louder than your words, at least early on in the process. It's the earning process, the earning part of the process here. Now, I do want to throw this in at the end of this point because we're going to move on to point three. But let me add this. You will need to use your words too for them to truly know the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. But your actions are key. And I share this here because for some of us, we struggle with really living like Jesus, okay? But for some of us, and this might be you, you actually work really hard at that, but that's as far as it goes. You try to live really a righteous and a moral life and try to live like Jesus, but you think that maybe that's enough. You know, they'll just, they'll come to Jesus because they'll see Jesus in me. Well, they may see Jesus in you, but if you don't actually at some point say something, They may just think you're a really good person. 
and it's, and it's not enough. So I'm saying this because we're going to talk about speaking in a few minutes, but here's kind of my little addition here. Because some of us get stuck in the, yeah, I, I live it, and that's enough. It's a huge thing. You need to live it before you talk, but we can't stop here, okay? Step number two, it's not our last step. Okay, step number three, what is our next step? We go where others are, right? Okay, so we do that, and we show, we show our faith by our actions. And number three, we meet them at their point of specific need. Meet people at their point of specific need. Now, see, when your actions have earned you some credibility because they know how much you care, and you can look to start ministering to someone personally, realize this this huge tip that Jesus demonstrates, and, and that is understand what their needs are and then meet them at their point of specific need. Let me read some verses here. I'm going to back up a little bit to give context, and we're going to keep moving. Now, there's a little snapshot here. Okay, so Jesus... Here's the story. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Remember, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And so the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. We talked about that. Let's keep going now because it flows from there. Jesus answered her, well, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. <laughs> She's confused probably. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, draw the water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Well, Jesus answered, well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman's probably sitting there with her mouth open trying to understand this, but gosh, it sounds really good. So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. (laughs) And see, Jesus knew that this woman, and we'll stop there. Jesus knew that this woman was there at the well because her ongoing need for water was big. Why else would she be there in the middle of the hot day to draw water when everyone else was indoors trying to stay cool? Now, we'll see in a moment that, uh, that there was another factor to the equation, but at its most simple level, this Samaritan woman was forever getting water from the well in the middle of the hot day, and it was a drag, okay? Think about it. She's there. It's the hot part of the day. We don't have plastic lightweight jugs like we do today, so she's carrying what? A heavy clay pot or some vessel. Now, you think, well, get a big one so you can carry water and do it, a lot of water and do it in one trip. She's by herself. You know, one that's big enough to carry that much water, she can't lift with no water in it, let alone when you add the water. So she's now got to find a pot that's pretty, some sort of a pitcher, something that's big enough to carry some water, but she's got to be able to carry it when it's full. So she goes from wherever she's staying to the hot part of the day, find the well, well, fill up the pot, go back, dump it into her holding thing, and then make another trip, and make another trip, and make another trip. So when Jesus starts saying, you interested in having some water so you'll never be thirsty again? Ding, 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 ding. You know, the lights and sirens go off. She is, this is great. Jesus, Jesus addressed her needs and, and offered her a solution that went really beyond her wildest dreams. Now, for us, when we look at this snapshot, when you go to where those are, when you go to where those that don't follow Jesus are and you show your faith by your actions like we talked about, You can look to share Jesus with them by relating to them at their point of immediate need. Understand their need and then relate at that point of need. And you guys, this works again and again. Now here's here's an example. You're talking with someone who doesn't doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And uh, that person is having relationship problems, for example. Okay? Gosh, wow, you're listening. Wow, boy, that's not fun. Boy, that must be tough. Let me pause. 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a relationship problem that God has helped you with? Raise your hand. Go ahead and do that. Now look around. A bunch of us, and a bunch of us aren't raising our hand because you're in the middle of one of those problems and God's in the process of helping you right now, right? So we can relate to that, right? So, so it's a lot of us. So there you go. Don't just say, boy, that must be tough, you know? And, and don't even just say at the end, I'll pray for you, although that's good. But take that next little step and actually say, um, and actually use that problem as a simple way to tell the story of how Jesus helped you get through a similar problem in your own life, Right? It becomes a story that they, they're actually going to want to hear that. You're not preaching at them, well, you need Jesus because he'll help you. You can say, man, I had a mess of a problem myself. Really? Yeah, let me tell you how my relationship with Jesus helped me. Wow, I like that. They actually want to hear it. It's this way. When you sit here right now and listen to a message, you're sitting back, you're taking notes, you're kind of cruising because you know you're here at church, right? But when Ryan and Andrew are up here telling their story, you know what I saw you do? Your eyes got bigger and you leaned forward in your chairs. What, what happened next? Oh, that was good. What, what, what's the next one? Wow. That's what stories do. And, and, and that's the power of a story. And that's what you can do. You hear the need. Don't just sympathize. Don't even just say pray. But wow, if you've had that issue, you can connect with them at that place. Now, we talked about relationship problems. Don't raise your hand anymore. But, but how many of you have ever had financial problems that Jesus has helped you with? Or emotional problems there? Or, or, or a death of someone close to you? Or, or you see what I'm saying? On and on and on it goes. Recovery from an addiction or in process. There's so many things there. You're going, yeah, Jesus has helped me a lot. So when someone shares a problem with you, use it as an opportunity to meet them right there at their point of need. And if you have a story of victory in Jesus that applies, just share it as a story about you. Don't preach to them. Just tell your story. Look for that chance. See, here's the deal. You're telling them when you tell your story, you're actually telling them that Jesus can actually help them too without saying those words you're reflecting, they see a reflection of themselves. Man, I struggle in my marriage. I struggled with my kids. I struggled with my neighbor, whatever that it is. And they're going, oh yeah. And then you tell them, Jesus worked this amazing thing in my life. What you're saying is giving them hope. Maybe he could do that for me too. Wow. That's intriguing. That's compelling. Okay. Our fourth step then is sharing Jesus the way that Jesus did, okay, is to do this. Rely on the Holy Spirit. We've met them at their point of need. Um, excuse me, we, we went to where others were. We showed our faith before we shared. We're trying to meet them at their area of specific need. And number four, then we have rely on the Holy Spirit. Now, this step certainly could have been number one because <laughs> it probably is the most important, or it is. But, but we see it show up most easily here chronologically in this story. So I'm listing it forth. The truth is, you guys, without the Holy Spirit and his work in this entire process, you don't have a chance of impacting another person for Jesus because you can't impact anybody for Jesus. The Holy Spirit can, and that's his job. It's his role. Just keeping it real here, okay? So relying on the Holy Spirit's a big deal. Now, we see Jesus relying on the Holy Spirit in a miraculous way in this passage as he tried to continue to impact this woman. He's done all this process that we've talked to. Let's pick up some more verses now. So Jesus says to her, well, they've talked about the water thing, and she's like, wow, that sounds great. And he says, well, go call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. <laughs> what you've just said is quite true. Her jaw drops, <laughs> you know. Jesus got detailed information about her life, listen, from the Holy Spirit at this point. 
and his reliance on the Holy Spirit raised the bar in this encounter. Now you may say, well, hold on. Jesus knew about the woman's life because he was God, you know, God in the form of man. And I couldn't possibly do that because I'm just not God, try as I might, right? (laughs) I'm not God. I can't do what Jesus did, have all that kind of knowledge. But here's a theological truth, and this is important to understand. Um, The Bible says that Jesus laid aside his godly attributes when he was born in human form. Okay, he had them. He just didn't, in essence, you could say, didn't access them. Access them. This is kind of like a mini seminary moment here to kind of teach you. Okay, Jesus fully God said, I'm not going to exercise my godly attributes. I'm going to hang on to my moral goodness, but I'm not going to be omnipresent and omnipotent and all that. So he wasn't all-knowing as a person as in the form of man. But what did he have? He had the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit. He didn't get the information on his own. He got it from the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the key. That's the same Holy Spirit that resides in you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. In each one of us that have given our life to Jesus, that power, that knowledge of God is available to you. Did you realize that? Well, Jesus, he was special. Oh, yes, he was special. But in this case, it was his relationship with God and and God the Holy Spirit that allowed him to impact this woman in an amazing way. Rely on that. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Pray for it. Be aware of it and use it. Now, the Holy Spirit may not give you supernatural knowledge like that, but he might. But he might. He's God. He can do whatever he wants, can't he? He can do whatever he wants. And and he most certainly will give you the words you need to speak to the heart of the person you're sharing with, even if you don't have the slightest idea what you'll say. Have you ever been in that situation? I have, and I'm waiting to talk to somebody in a conversation, maybe with a group or even one-on-one with someone, and the person's talking, and like, it's your time to respond, and your mind is like, I don't have the slightest idea what I'm going to say. I'm in a spiritual conversation. I've been there, you know. Doesn't matter, my Bible reading, seminary, pastor. I don't, I don't, I not only don't have a plan of what I'm going to say, I don't even know the first word, and it's my turn. And out starts coming some words, and I almost feel like the John in me takes two steps back and goes, Wow that's really good. I know that didn't come from me because I didn't have the slightest idea what to say, but something's going on here and I kind of allowed the Holy Spirit to speak. Have you had that happen? Yeah, and you know, each service I've had a few heads nod, but I've had way more heads not nod. And um, I'd love to see every head nod because it can happen for you that way, folks. It can happen to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And so we need to work on tuning our ears to the Holy Spirit and getting a close enough relationship that we can truly hear him. And, that, and, and he promises to do this in and through of us, if we, in us and through us, if we just make ourselves available to him. Because what an exciting time. Scary. Remember I mentioned that afraid and uncomfortable thing there? But God can do those things. Rely on him. The more you get in tune with his voice, the more you'll be able to hear him and respond as you minister. And it's really exciting. It's kind of what we heard from both Ryan and Andrea here, putting themselves in a spot and then God moved in a direction that he moved. Okay, fifth step, and finally, when you share with non-Christians, we've had this whole process. We're relying on the Holy Spirit. Number five, be willing to speak the truth. Be willing to speak the truth. Now, both those underlying words are significant because there's two parts, but one is to speak and one is the truth part. We talked about actions being wonderful and need to happen, but it can't stop there. The speaking has to happen to I just say close the deal, but you understand. The speaking has to happen. But it's not just speaking, but you've got to actually speak truth. And we see that in Jesus here. He didn't just show his faith and love. He did that, but he also spoke like we talked about. And, and when the discussion got going, he didn't try them to make the message so soft and easy that it lost its truth and edge and power. He spoke in love. 
but he was willing to speak the truth, even if she ended up rejecting him and his message as a result. Okay, let's pick up some verses here again in John 4. I'll back up a little bit because you're going to see, by reading a few of these verses, you'll see one of the areas he spoke truth, and it made her uncomfortable, obviously. Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. (laughs) Remember, I have no husband, she replied. Now, picture this. Put yourself in the woman's perspective for a moment. She's there. She has this crazy encounter with this guy that wouldn't even be here, let alone talk with her, but it's happening, and we talk about spiritual things, and all of a sudden, he says, bring your husband. She's like, why do you ask that? Maybe it's a social question. Um, I know. I have no husband. You know, and then all of a sudden, well, you're right when you say that you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. And you're like, she's like, the eyes are getting huge. And she's like, uh-oh, busted. But beyond that, how did he know that? Did somebody tell him? But he just came into town. And he's a stranger and he's Jewish. And, you know, so this whole thing, her eyes are probably as big as saucers. And she's processing through all of this. This is where we find ourselves here. Jesus speaking truth. Oh, a few verses later, they talk about some heavy, situa- heavy things, and we'll pick up a few verses later. And the woman says, as they're talking about spiritual things, I-, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, taking a chance. He says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am he. Now, Jesus is in essence taking a chance when he shares about the husband thing. She could just run away afraid. Ah, he knows the truth like everyone else. I'm out of here. And Jesus going, ah, I blew it, <laughs> right? Did Jesus ever say, I blew it? Oh, even when he's saying, I'm the Messiah, he's taking a chance that she's going, yeah, right, you're the Messiah. She's either going to run, she's going to scream, she's going to throw her pot of water at him, right? Soak him or bonk him with her clay pot that she's using there. He's taking a, he's taking a chance, but he's speaking the truth, doing it in love, but he's speaking truth to her. And I think this is a key point as we share with others. Always be loving in your sharing or you lose your audience immediately. But, but if you don't speak the truth in love, that's part of it for, for fear of being rejected, then we miss the boat. See, that's the key. If you skip on the truth because there's fear there of being specifically rejected, then we're going to miss it. Hey, I want you to catch this. If you speak the truth in love and they end up rejecting you, they aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting the message and they're rejecting the truth. Give them the chance to actually hear the truth so they can receive it or reject it, but, they, but don't make it about you. I think we're so often, well, I'm afraid. If I, what if I said something that might offend them? What if, I, what if I claim something and then they'll leave and they'll reject me? It isn't about you. Speak the truth so they can hear it. They can receive it. They can reject it. They can ask some questions about it, but you're, doing, you're speaking truth in love and it isn't about you. So we get, we get f- afraid of our own rejection and it's not that. Now, I know this is easy to say from up front, but Jesus modeled it, and we can do it too. You see, here we see Jesus. She call, he called the woman gently on her sexual promiscuity and unfaithfulness, and it becomes clear, by the way, why she came to the well in the heat of the day. She was ashamed to be seen by the other women of the town, so she came to get her water when no one else would be there. Everybody else in the town is getting water in the early morning when it's cool, or maybe later in the evening when it's a little bit cooler, so she's not going to mix with them because they aren't her friends. See, maybe five husbands and then now just living with a guy in 21st century America, probably acceptable. Certainly wasn't then. In that day and in that culture, absolutely not. She's an outcast in a town of outcasts, and she's by herself. So, so that she's not mixing with the others that don't want her around, she's coming in the heat of the day to do this back and forth, all these trips here that are going on. 
So we've seen how Jesus did it in John 4, this five-step process here that ends up speaking the truth and love. And if it seems overwhelming, well, it, it may seem too intimidating to try to do this like the perfect son of God did in John 4. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that was cool for Jesus. I'm not sure I could do that. First of all, he says you can do it. But if that thought comes to mind, I want to hit you with one last encouragement. Practice the five steps. Absolutely, you can. Give it a shot. But one last comment. If you can't be like Jesus, can you at least be like the Samaritan woman? If you can't be like Jesus, the five steps, and if that's intimidating, although I think you can, but can you at least be like the Samaritan woman? And what do I mean by that? Simply this. Do what that sinful, outcast Samaritan woman did. Tell those in your world about what Jesus has done for you. In your world, right where you're at, tell them about what Jesus has done for you, your own story. I'm going to pick up that last little snapshot in John chapter 4. It says, just then, Jesus' disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. We, we talked about that, right? Whoa, Jesus. You know, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? They're quiet. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She went to the people that hated her, that cast her out. But this impacted her enough that she went to them. And then it says, a few verses later, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. They believed in Jesus because of what she said. Because she said, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, it says, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. So did you catch that? Many believe because the woman told her story in a convincing way, and you can do that. You can do that. You have a story about what Jesus has done for you. Share it with passion and conviction. But also, not only did, the women, did people come to Jesus because of what she shared, a woman also invited the people to Jesus, and he led many more to become believers because of his words. And that leads me to our last little fill-in-the-blank on your outline. Invite them to come meet Jesus at Twin Cities Church. Now, this is not instead of the five-step process we talked about. This is not instead of sharing your story of what Jesus has done, but it's an addition to, because next week is Friend Day here at Twin Cities Church. You can share with others yourself, like Jesus, especially to that one person you wrote down a few weeks ago here in church, that one person you're praying for that you're, that you're targeting, uh, that person you're praying for specifically. But also, you can invite them here to Twin Cities Church, especially next week for Friend Day. And they will hear about Jesus next week on Friend Day. You can be bold and invite them. Every week we make Jesus accessible, accessible to everybody here, but especially on Friend Day, there's a ton of strategy and prayer gone into saying everything that happens from up front is so that that person out there who's unchurched, who doesn't know Jesus, will go, ah, and they will hear truth in a relevant and a loving way. So that's an encouragement. The woman shared her story, but she also said, some of it's beyond me, come, come hear Jesus Come to, to another place, to Jesus. And you can invite someone here to Twin Cities Church next week for Friend Day. Now, we're going to listen to our, our worship team uh, sing a song about Jesus waking people up to the reality of grace. And Dallas Willard said this, when we're lost from God, we don't know who we are and we don't know where we are. But when we hear the word of Jesus, as he just showers us with his grace, we discover who we are and where we are going Oh, this song also talks about Jesus' heart for us, that we, could, that we would wake up to the call ourselves to share grace with others, to wake up out of our slumber and help people experience his grace.
they force you back under those covers lazy mornings they multiply the door is waiting outside your window wake on up from your slumber baby open up your eyes tells our violent personal and focused tough to be with your head in mind hearts are broken Wake on up from your slumber, baby, open up your eyes. Wake on up from your slumber, baby, open up your eyes. All these victims stand in line for clothes that fall from the table, just enough to get by. All the while you're in the The feeble with the fable. We're going up from your slumber, baby. Open up your eyes. We're going up from your slumber, baby. Open up your eyes. All these victims still alive. Come fall from the table, just enough to get by. All the while you're in the Yeah, you awake? 
So, see, sometimes at the end of a talk, we do this really grab-your-heart, slow, kind of probing song that, you know, maybe brings a tear to your eye and convicts you. And other times, we get a song like this, which I'm like, yeah, because it's kind of a kick-in-the-backside kind of song, right? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you were woken up from your slumber by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and the Holy Spirit has given you new life, and he's calling us to help others wake up from their slumber and open their eyes. You, you have the opportunity to do that through the Holy Spirit's power, and that's what we're called to do in a gentle kind of way to, come on, let's wake up and get moving. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm grateful for the, the new life that you've given me that I don't deserve, Father, and the many of us that are here this morning that are, that are right there, God, we can say thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, there may be somebody here right now, this service, Father, who has not yet given their life to Jesus, has not surrendered in a sense and received that gift. Lord, and I pray right now that that person would do that now, just come to you with their whole heart, admitting who Jesus is, admitting their sin, and just asking for forgiveness and leadership to receive that new life and that eternal life. Father, and I pray then that we'd respond to this call to not only wake up ourselves, but to be used by you to wake others up to have that living water so that that people will not ever be thirsty again. God, we have so much to offer in Jesus. Give us the courage and the desire in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.